The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Are you ready? I got one question for you, and it's not what is Santa bringing you for Christmas? My question is what is Jesus bringing you for Christmas? What is Jesus bringing you for Christmas this year? Think about that. This is a time where this is, we celebrate this amazing gift exchange uh, where God so loved the world, he sent his son, which was the greatest gift. Uh, obviously, God is the giver of gifts. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from uh, the father of lights. God is so good. He's the giver of gifts. He's always giving gifts. And his gifts come in many different forms and fashions. And uh, we were kind of focusing on this theme this week, uh, the last couple of weeks, about how around this time of the year, uh, some of you go to Christmas parties, celebration, work, family, other things, uh, but oftentimes there's a gift exchange in the process, and somebody brings a gift and, and gets a gift. And last week, we looked at so many of the amazing gift exchanges that God literally does with us, gift exchanges, that we bring him uh, this and he gives us that. And we, we looked at all the different transactions that God's willing to do uh, through our whole lives, really, in our journey with Jesus, these transactions, these gift exchanges, these beautiful things that he endows us with, but, it, but it, we bring this and he brings that. We bring him our, our, our fears and he, he gives us his peace. And we come to me, all of you who are weary and have a heavy load, and I will give you rest. And we looked at all of these amazing things that God exchanges with us. And today we're not looking at what the gifts are so much. Today, I want to talk to you about how how the actual transaction takes place. How do transactions with uh, gift exchanges with God, how do they actually take place? And I want to suggest to you this morning that so much of the exchanges that God wants to do in your life and in mine have to do with how we view ourselves. How you view yourself, how I view myself has a lot to do with how God engages with us in the exchanges. And we're going to see an example in the Bible that is probably the greatest example in the Bible of how someone viewed themselves that was part of this amazing opportunity and exchange with God. God is always looking for hearts. How many of you know the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the entire earth looking for hearts that are completely his so he can strongly support. Everyone say strongly support. Wouldn't that be a gift to get God's strong support? Not regular support, strong support. That's what God, these are the kind of things we bring this and God's like, I see you and God brings us. Exchanges are all through the Bible, transactions of God's grace. And uh, it, a lot of it has to do with our disposition, how we see ourselves. Here's an example. Salvation is a free gift of grace. You guys agree? Free gift of grace, can't earn it, don't deserve it, can't work for it, right? free gift of grace. But even though it's a free gift of grace, not everybody gets in on it. Why is that? Why would people miss out on this free gift of grace, so powerful, eternal life, and not get in on it? Oftentimes because of how they see themselves. They see themselves, I don't want a king in my life. I am the king of my life, right? Some people feel they are the king. They see themselves as the king of their universe, so therefore I don't want a king. And they miss out on a gift, no transaction with them. There's no exchange happening because of how they see themselves. One struggle I had early on, I believed in God, you know, Father, Son, but when it came to, will I make him the Lord of my life and make him the ruler? 
I was thinking, no, I'm not going to actually do that. So how I saw myself, I'm going to steer my own ship, I'm going to be my own king, I'll be my own pilot, and I will not let God be the Lord of my life. And I lived in that zone and struggled with it for a while until I came to terms with his magnificence and his love and his power and thinking, why in the world would I run from him? Why won't I let the lover of my soul lead my life? So many, the way they see themselves... Is, is to their own deficit. They don't get in on the gifts God has. There's so many things in the Bible that have to do with how we see ourselves. God's grace comes in many, many different forms. So some, some feel, um, they have a feeling about the way they see themselves, and as a result, they really don't qualify for some of these graces. Qualification is still a free gift, but you qualify. For example, salvation's a free gift, but here's how you qualify for it. Even though it's free, don't work for it. But you qualify saying, I believe in my heart, I confess with my lip, and we, what, we turn, right? We turn. And if we don't believe in our heart, confess with lips, and turn, that's the qualifier, we don't get the free gift. Still a free gift, does that make sense? So the gift is free, but there are qualifiers for the exchanges with God. And so uh, grace comes in many different forms, but I would suggest that how we view ourselves is in fact a major qualifier. Again, we're going to see an amazing exchange that God does today in our text today, and it's, it, it's baffling. It's absolutely baffling. And heart condition and how we view ourselves has a monumental aspect to this. A few scriptures, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, but I want to read a couple of uh, passages just to uh, enhance this. Uh, so we understand how, this heart, how God looks at this heart condition or how we see ourselves. It's a big deal to God. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, we have it for the screen up here. And it says this, uh, In the same way, uh, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor. Everyone say favor. God shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. This passage has a focus on how we see ourselves. He says to not just only respect our elders, but to submit to them. And that word's not used a whole lot in our, in our culture. Oftentimes, the word submit can have a negative connotation to it. But I'm just telling you, from the heart of God, from the economy of God, from the realm of God, from the blessability of God, the word submit is not a bad thing and the right thing, it's a very blessable thing. And right here he's saying that we should submit to elders. He's getting into heart condition here, how we see ourselves. Some people are like, I'm not submitting to anybody. Now, some of you were raised in a culture, in a home or in a tradition uh, where, where you were taught you needed to submit to elders. Anybody raised in that tradition, right? Uh, where, hey, you respect your elders and you don't ever say that to an elder and you hold the door open. Anybody talk that way? And, and then again, some people were not. And they just weren't taught this kind of thing. This is something we see uh, widely in Asian cultures. In Asian cultures, there's a great honor and esteem for elders. Really, there's a bowing, there's, a, there's an acknowledgement, and it's really hardwired into the culture. It's a beautiful thing to see. But it has to do with heart condition. It has to do with how we view ourselves, how we view our position, what we will and won't do, a lot of it has to do with, with that. And he also says um, to submit to one another. Now, here's another thing. When it comes to submitting to one another, some people don't want to do that. 
Some people don't, might want other people to submit to them, but they're not willing to submit to other people. Um, listen, this is a key qualifier. This is a key qualifier for some of the grace that God wants to pour out in your life. This is a qualifier. Are you willing to submit to a lot of one another's in the Bible? And a lot of them come with great favor and grace and all these things. But, but submitting to one another, and it has to do with our disposition. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to go low? And some people are and some people aren't, but I'm just telling you this disposition of the heart is a, is a core factor in the blessability of God we're going to see in the exchanges of gifts that God <clears throat> has done in your life and wants to do in your life. Uh, this is what it says. If you're a note taker, write some of these keys down. I'm telling you this is monumental. If you feel uh, you are positioned for God to bless you with his gifts, his grace, whatever form that might be, um, you really need to come to terms with some of these because these are, uh, I believe, qualifiers for these exchanges we have with God. The first one is God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When it comes to a gift exchange, when it comes to pride, God's like, er, stop, uh-uh. There's an opposition. God's like, I can't endorse that. I won't endorse the pride. How many of you know the devil fell because of the sin of pride? Pride was found in him. Pride. So pride is a big one in the economy, in the realm of God, the heart condition, uh, in our engagement with God. God opposes the proud, but he gives what to the humble? He gives grace. And this is beautiful. Grace. Grace is the Greek word charis. Um, and charis is, the, we, we use the word, it's the grace. Uh, some of your translations will say favor. And the reason they interchange the word grace and the word favor, because charis really means both of those. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He gives charis to the humble. And charis can be either a literal gift or it can be a favor. It can be a favor or a literal gift. Say, for example, you're busy streets in New York, you're trying to cross the street, it's Russia, everything is flying, and you can't get across, and you're waiting, waiting, waiting. Say, for example, a police officer blows the whistle, stops everyone in the city, and says, you, come. Just stops the whole city, and you just get to walk across by yourself. You're like, wow, that was a really cool favor, right? Okay, that's charis. God can stop the world and open a door for you, and that is one form of his gifting that God can do for the humble for the humble god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble or favor to the humble or it can come in the form of a literal gift wow god i don't deserve this look what you dropped on me so this is important god opposes the proud but he gives grace and or favor to the humble it has to do with how gift exchanges happen disposition heart condition how the exchanges actually happen and the second point this morning if you're a note taker is if we humble our sides and if we humble ourselves in his sight, he will lift us up. This is a favor. This is a favor of God. How many of you find yourself in a position where you simply need God to lift you up? Can I get a witness? Okay, God, right now I need you to lift me up, Lord. Uh, right, I'm, I'm going through it. I need you to lift me up. This is the disposition, the humility where God's like, I see you, you humbled myself. I am going to lift you up. This is what God wants to do. This is what God does. He's been historically doing this for thousands of years with those who are humble. So sometimes, again, the grace comes in the form of a literal gift. Sometimes it comes in an act of his favor. Uh, it can come in either form, and we're going to see that actually modeled here in, in Scripture this morning. 
Uh, and so if you have a, a Bible, uh, Luke chapter 1, or on your phone, however you read your word, we'll also put it on the screen. Uh, but the third point this morning I'd encourage you to write down as a recap on something we said earlier, that humility, humility is a major qualifier uh, for God's favor and grace in your life. Humility is a major qualifier. Uh, God's gifts are free, okay? We don't earn them. But the eyes of the Lord are looking. Make no mistake, the eyes of the Lord are looking. And when he's looking, he's looking for faith. Jesus mentions this, you know, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith in the land? He's looking. He's looking to reward. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We're talking about the favor of God, the grace of God, the rewards of God, and how we transact with God on these things. He is looking. He's looking for, he's looking for faith. He's looking for humility. And humility is a major qualifier for God's favor and grace. If we are living a, a lifestyle, a prideful lifestyle, we cannot expect, scripturally, we cannot expect a whole bunch of favor and grace from the Lord. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Does that make sense? Do you see how the, this disposition is real? It's a monumental issue. Our heart condition is a factor, a major one, in how we exchange, or if God will or won't exchange these graces with us because of ourselves and how we see ourselves. Uh, again, this is probably Luke chapter 1. This is probably the greatest example in the Bible of heart condition and the favor of God. The heart, our heart condition and the favor of God in a, in a phenomenal example modeled for us. Um, and it's with Mary. We're going to look at this this morning. Um, I'm going to focus on verse 26 onward, but let's just open with the first couple of verses so we get a, an idea of how, how uh, detailed this passage is being presented to us. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 1 says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who, who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I decided to write down an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So we know we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, Matthew and John, and uh, obviously walking with Jesus everywhere from the very beginning, and they're right, they write down their story, and they write down their chapters, and like that's the, the main highlights. And here you go, and it's been living on and duplicated for thousands of years right now, uh, as the Spirit led them to write that. Uh, church historians believe that, um, that Mark's gospel was penned by Mark through the words of Peter, because Peter and John Mark, this is John Mark, by the way, who uh, traveled with Barnabas and Paul, you may remember that, but, but John Mark was with Peter in Alexandria, Africa, and church history says, we love the story of Jesus you shared, please don't leave until you write it down. The church historian Eusebius tells us this. And they said, well, we can't write this all down. We're telling you the story. We need to move on. And they're like, no, no, please don't leave here until you write it down. So they stayed longer. Peter, from the historian standpoint, tells John Mark. John Mark's write down the story through the words of Peter. And they were so floored with what came out. They made a duplicate copy before they left Alexandria. So that's amazing. Now Luke comes along. Luke is different. Luke is the only Gentile to write in the Bible. Um, Luke comes along. And, and Luke says, we have these other eyewitness accounts. Matthew, Mark, and John, we have them. But Luke is a critical thinker. He's a doctor and he's a historian himself. And he says, 
We have those and they're good and they're accurate, but we want to know more detail about parts of stories. We want to know dates. We want to know who was rulers. We want to know details about areas. I mean, he gets into some critical substance in his, in his storylines. And so he says, I had to go back personally and I had to carefully investigate something. If you carefully investigate it, it's not just somebody telling you some story. It's you going back to the eyewitnesses, you going back to the parties involved. Uh, if an investigator investigates a case, he goes back to all the people who actually were there, saw it, asks each one detail, asks more detail, asks more detail. And so Luke is saying, I personally went back and I got details. And I would suggest to you this morning that the story about Mary is so detailed in Luke's passage, I have to believe when he directly says, I went back personally and personally investigated all these details myself. I have to believe that Luke went back and talked to Mary. I really do. And Mary, tell us the detail. Because there's stories in Mary's account, in this account, that only Mary would know. Uh, the apostles might not have sat down with Mary and said, give us the whole lowdown of you know, every little detail about your pregnancy. <laughs> Most men don't sit down with women and go, so tell us every detail about your pregnancy. Um, like, they'll say, what's the big, you know, wh where'd you come, oh, you, got, you had to travel, oh, you had to deliver a baby on the road, that's difficult, but, but, but Luke seems to have gone back and got the details and the substance of what Mary went through and her detailed encounter, and I think it's pretty remarkable, and he presents it here, moving on in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You have found grace with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now imagine this, you're Mary and this angel, there's been 400 years of silence between the last book of the Old Testament and this moment here, this season. 400 years of silence, God not speaking. He spoke through prophets all the time. It was common, and then poof, silence. 400 years. And Mary's out there, and all of a sudden this angel of God is breaking the silence with this greeting. It's pretty profound, isn't it? 400 years of silence is being broken with this greeting, same angel, and this angel, what she just, this angel just shared with his, her sister Elizabeth. And the angel says a couple of key things. Um, God wants to tell you hello. Greetings. God says, hi, Mary. God sent me to tell you hello. And God wants you to know that you have personally found great favor with God. You need to know that, Mary. God says hello, breaking 400 years of silence here. And you have found profound favor. You have found profound grace with God. Now we're talking about grace is a gift and it's favor and it's blessing. And these are the right words in the Bible. And all of a sudden, we don't see this introduction in the Bible with angels showing up to everybody and saying, you have found tremendous favor with God. 
But Mary's direct, uh, the, the angel is sent with this one directive, get Mary, let her know, I have found a truckload of favor with her. If there's something about Mary's heart, her disposition, we're going to see what it is. Uh, but the point is, God's found major favor. Go down and tell her uh, this. I found major favor with you, Mary, so don't be afraid. Um, so God's plan for you, Mary, the angel says, God's plan for you is that you will, you will conceive a work of God. You're going to conceive a work of God. You are going to carry a work of God, and you are going to give birth. You're going to deliver this profound work of God, something that's never been done before, the Jewish Messiah in you and through you. This is what's about to happen. The long-awaited Jewish Messiah is finally coming, Mary, and you get to be the mom. You get to be the mom of this young King Jesus. So obviously Mary doesn't know what to make of this, and nor would we if we were in her shoes, and says, how will this be, verse 34? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was uh, said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So her question on this monumental presentation is, how in the world is this going to happen? And the answer, quite simply, is God will do it. In your life and in mine, there are some things that we just can't pull off that are absolutely impossible. With man, it's impossible. And the, and the response from heaven is God will do it. Uh, what is impossible with man is absolutely possible with God. And this is where the Christmas story begins, is nothing is, in fact, impossible with God. Um, this new miracle that's about to happen, Mary, again, it will be the work of the Holy Spirit. God will plant spiritual seed in your life. This is not going to be a normal child. He will be the son of God, and he will be the son of man at the same time. In fact, many of you know that the son of God became the son of man so that sons of men might become sons of God. Amen? That's pretty cool, isn't it? The Son of God became the Son of Man so that sons of men might become sons of God through him. So Mary, this new miracle will be the work of the Holy Spirit. God will plant spiritual seed in your life, Mary. You will conceive and you will carry and you will deliver the Christ child, the Messiah. This is absolutely monumental, but I want to suggest to you this morning that there is a profound parallel, a parallel with what Mary is, is going through and is engaging right now in your life and in mine as well. And we don't often look at this parallel. In fact, I haven't really uh, quite heard it laid out this way, but um, this is what he's saying. I believe God's saying to his church today, God wants to birth something so profound in you. God wants to birth something so profound in you. And it, too, is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of man. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. He wants to birth something in you. It will be by the Spirit. The best things are by the Spirit. It's not by strength or might. It's by the power of my Spirit, says the Lord. The best things, the eternal things, the lasting things, the world-changing things are by the Spirit. God wants to birth something new in you. But when he births it in you, you, too, have to carry it. 
And you have to protect it, and you have to feed it, and you have to encourage it, because he wants to do something in you. He wants to carry, not for the sake of having, but for the sake of birthing it and giving it away. Um, listen, we're going to see this unpack more, but I, I really believe that's a word for everyone in this room today. God wants to do a new work in your life. He wants to plant a spiritual seed in your life. He wants to birth a work of his spirit in your life. He wants you to carry it and nurture it, just as a mother would carry and nurture her infant child, her, her baby growing on the inside. God wants to birth uh, things in you, and he wants you to carry and protect and feed what this is, and in the fullness of his timing, because it's spiritual in nature, he wants you to bring it forth and share it with the world. And, and this is what I believe the kingdom is all about. And so this is important because of this, guys. Our heart condition is a major factor. Our heart condition is a major factor of what God plants in us to do. Our heart condition. Our heart condition is a major factor. And if you need um, more certainty on that, that it's a heart condition, how is this, what are you talking about? What do you mean? God wants to plant a seed in me and wants to do something like that. And where is that in Scripture? Where is that in Scripture? Um, read the parable of the sower. And you will see that this parable is 100%. The kingdom of God works this way. This is the realm of God. This is economy. That God is trying to plant seed in hearts. And some hearts are hard and will not take the seed. Some get choked out by worry. Sometimes it's pride. Whatever it is, gets, it gets in the way of what God's trying to plant on the inside of the hearts of you and I. And however, if our heart condition is the good soil, if our heart condition, then the seed of God takes root in our life and supernatural things happen. Supernatural things happen. Why is it supernatural? Who says it's supernatural? It's supernatural because it grows 30 and 60 and 100 fold. That's supernatural. That's no joke. That's not some random thing like, well, yeah, I did this and I got that. No, this is bigger than that because God is planting the supernatural seed of his word or his promise in your life. And if our heart's in the right place, it turns out to be something magnificent. It's in fact supernatural. And so if you need more certainty about that, I just want to bring this up. First Peter chapter one, we have it for the board up here. Listen, you were born with an imperishable seed. In the natural, you were born with a perishable seed, but in the spiritual, you were born with an imperishable seed. This is a, like a phenomenal truth, and you need to hold on to this one. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, uh, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. When you believe the gospel, when you and I believe the gospel, you receive the good news of Christ, and guess what? By the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who planted seed in Mary, right? In reality, historically, that we celebrate this time of the year, also planted an imperishable seed inside of you. And the very work that God has been doing ever since that day is spiritual in its nature. You were born again with imperishable seed. And the thing about that, in fact, write that down if you would, please. That's our fourth point. You need to know this. You need to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, I've been born with imperishable seed. I will never die. You need to look in the mirror and say, I'm living forever. It changes your whole view. I will live forever because I've been born with imperishable seed. That's important and that's purpose and that's intentionality in your life. You help comes to term, it helps you come to terms with your calling um, a little bit more when you realize you've been born of imperishable seed. But write that down. I have been born of imperishable 
perishable seed. That is monumental. That means you will live forever. You will live forever. You've had this transaction with God. Your heart was in the right place saying, you're the king and I am not. I'll get off the throne. I'll put you on it. You were humble. I see the need of the cross and the provision of your forgiveness. Yes, I believe. I turn. I confess. Boom. Your heart put yourself in a place where you were able to, you, you, you were positioned to receive the gift. And others without that heart were not positioned to receive the gift. And since then, you've been born with imperishable seed from what God planted in you. So it was God's plan for you that you would conceive this seed, imperishable seed, right? This seed of life, new life. And it was God's plan for you to carry this new seed, this new work of the Spirit in your life. And it was God's plan for you to deliver and give birth to this new thing that he wants to do uh, in your life. And so that's our fifth point this morning. If you would just write that one down, it's our final point. It's God's desire that we conceive, carry, and give birth to the work of Christ in us. Now, if a Christian believes my job is just to believe and just kind of wait for Jesus to come back, you completely miss him. You, you look at the first century church, no one lived that way. That's some like modern American kind of thing. I just, you know, I just want to believe and then I just want... No, no, you were made, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what you were made for. You were made to be part of God's solution on this planet. You were made, you were a child of God, you were an ambassador of, of Christ. You are a, a carrier of the kingdom of God. The spirit of God lives in you and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I mean, you were made for much greater stuff. And a lot of this is what God wants to do in you and what he's planted in you and what he's going to continue to nurture in you, what you were going to carry and feed and protect and grow along the way and how it actually is going to come to life into the world around us uh, to be a blessing to everyone just like Jesus did. The light came into the world when Jesus came into the world. And I believe what God wants to do in your life is the same thing, to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth, and have this profound uh, thing happen like this. It's to birth the work of Christ in us because we were created for good works in, in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. Created for good works in Christ Jesus. So we were created in Christ Jesus when God put this spiritual seed in us. There's a great correlation. And it is a mystery. Like, what does that look like? I mean, that's kind of spiritual and it's natural, but like, what does it look like? It is, it is a bit of a mystery, and the Bible says it's a bit of a mystery. You know what the mystery is? The Bible says the mystery is Christ in you. See, the Christ child was in Mary, born of spiritual seed by the power of the Holy Spirit to conceive and to, 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 to nurture and to bring forth in the world. But you were born of an imperishable seed and you have Christ in you too, the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And you too are nurturing and growing. And this is what it says in Colossians 1.27 about this mystery of how this works. Uh, to, them, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This amazing, God, God want, God's got riches that he wants to make known to the whole world. And the mystery, what is it? It's actually Christ inside of you, the hope of glory. You are the carrier of hope. You are the carrier of hope. You are the carrier of hope to those around you because you know the Prince of Peace and others don't. 
You know the God who lifts all burdens and some other people don't. You are the one who makes futures secure and other people don't. You carry, um, you carry the hope of glory in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It is a mystery, but it's a reality. And when we look at the word, we're like, wow, God, you really do want to do something bigger. I am a carrier of Christ in me, uh, the hope of glory. You need to know that because that's what it says. And then the response was, after all of these kind of presentations to Mary, um, is that no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And that's pretty profound because a lot of things in life will fail. Ideas fail, plans fail. Uh, All kinds of expectations fail, but no word of God will ever fail. And this is profound because Mary's about to embark on this journey of faith and expectation, but her heart condition is where we're going to end right here, is on her heart condition. And we're going to see that her heart condition is absolutely uh, profound. This is what she says, guys. Mary's response reveals so much. Why is it that an angel shows up and says, God wants to say hi? First person God's speaking to in 400 years is basically you, Mary, and your sister. But God wants to say hi. And God wants you to know that he's got a whole bunch of favor for you more than you even know. Where, where does this come from? And why Mary? And there's a million other girls in Israel that could have been the choice. I, I don't know. God is sovereign. We've got to leave that one here. We don't know why. We can't quantify or qualify everything. But I do believe we see things about Mary's disposition and her heart condition that reveal a whole lot to to you and I. Um, It was a major qualifier, I believe. This is what she says in verse 38 in response to all this stuff that God wants to do in her life through her, which is like she doesn't even have a category for all this stuff. And her answer is this in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled to me. Then the angel left her. So God saw, I believe, Mary's heart. Remember his eyes go through, to and throw, fro throughout the whole earth? God sees hearts. He sees attitudes. He sees everything. Nothing is hidden from him. The Psalms talk about, where can I hide from you, God? If I go to the bottom of the ocean, can I hide? If, I got, you can't, if I'm in a cave, you, you can't hide from God. God sees everything. And we're all working out our stuff and trying to be, uh, walk more like Jesus. But God is looking for those who want to pass the test. He's looking for those whose hearts want to be humble, who want to work and walk in faith, who want to believe what his word says. And God's looking and he says, I see you, I see you. And when that happens, he sees something in Mary. And, and he says, Mary, I got a whole bunch of favor for you that's about to come your way. And it was because of your heart, I believe, her heart condition. But just remember, this is what's key about this, guys. And the rest of this story is remarkable. And we're going to look at it next week. And we're going to have the kids come and sing some really fun stuff. And it's going to be great. So I want to encourage you to come next Sunday. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, bring a family member. Okay, we're going to have a special service on Sunday. But the takeaway today as we celebrate God sending his son, the greatest gift we've ever received. God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. And he gives gifts. And he doesn't stop giving gifts. But I want you to remember, you too have been born of the Spirit. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and was struggling with this natural spiritual thing too. What does that mean? You got a seed in me. Does that mean? No, listen, Nicodemus, it doesn't work that way. What I'm talking about is spiritually. God puts this, you're made new by the Holy Spirit, Nicodemus. And by the way, that Nicodemus, after uh, Jesus went to the cross, he was obviously a follower of Jesus. That same Nicodemus who learned about this spiritual renewal that God's doing, a work of the Spirit, who was the one who said, 
let's go get the body off the cross and, and, and let's take, take the body down. So Nicodemus, we see, engaged, understood this principle of God doing a new work by planting the seed of his spirit in our lives that we receive by faith when we turn and believe. And you've got to remember that you have been born also by this imperishable speed seed of the Holy Spirit, and God wants to birth a new work in you, and God wants you to carry and to deliver this work that he's putting in you, and only you know what it is, or maybe you're going to discover what it is, but I trust if you pray and ask God, he's going to begin to show you what he made you for, and what you should step into, and what realm. Uh, God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. God has called us for great work. He's got things to do, guys, and, and they're opportunities, and they're, they're, they're going to be displays of his grace. They're going to be displays of God's favor, but God displays his grace and favor oftentimes through people like you and I. God wants to do a work, but you are to conceive it, and you are to carry it, and you are to deliver it. And guess what? Like Mary, it may not be easy. It may not be easy. And like Mary, it will have its challenges. you got to know that. It will have its challenges. And like, like Mary and Joseph, some people won't understand it. Not everybody understands what God is conceiving and birthing and delivering out of you and I. Not everybody does. And like them, it probably won't look like the world's view of success. In America, we need to hold on to this one because the world has a view of success and sometimes we want God to just drop all this worldly looking success on us and it may not look like the world's view of success. When Jesus the Messiah came and he was born in a manger out in the back with a bunch of smelly animals, that did not look like the world's view of success. Do you realize that? But it was success. It was the ultimate success. And it was the ultimate humility at the same time. And so we gotta come to terms with this because a lot of times the very things that God wants to birth to conceive and to, and, to, and to grow and to birth in you and I, these displays of God's kingdom may not look like, it could be, maybe God will raise you up to win an Oscar or a Grammy where you give him glory through it. I don't know, but I'm just telling you, it may not look like. So be careful what we're looking for. And the question is, if God does, and I believe he does, if God does want to do this profound work in you, uh, if he's saying, listen, I, I want to do this work of the Spirit in your life, I'm asking you, there will be a conception of it and there will be a growing and delivery. I got a question, are you willing to do it? That's the golden question. Are you willing to partner with me in this work of God? Because the angel isn't just coming and saying, Mary, whether you like it or not, that's not what's going on here. The angel's showing up and says, God's got favor. Here's a plan. It's a plan of God's grace. Engages Mary. Mary, what do you got to say? Boom. And I believe God's doing that with you. What do you have to say? I want to do a work in your life. Are, are you willing? Are you, what do you have to say? And here's what Mary says. <laughs> I'm the Lord's servant. That's just who I am. That's my position. My position is he's the king of everything and I'm not. I, I'm his servant. And if that's what he says and wants, then yes, that's what I, that's what I want too. Do you see her disposition? This is monumental. Somebody with this disposition, including you, will get, into the, will get in on, I believe, the certain graces in favor. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace, which is gifts, which is favor, to the humble. This is the nature of God. Mary modeled it. So Mary's attitude resulted in profound favor. And if your answer is the same thing, Lord, I don't know what you want to birth in my life. I don't know my calling all the way. I don't know what display... Uh, you want from me, but I am willing to conceive a work of your spirit in my life. 
and I am willing to nurture it and grow whatever that is, the development of this thing, not squander a gift. I'm gonna, I want to develop it. I want to protect it. I want to nurture it, God. And the point is, freely you've been given to freely give, that the gifts are for the mutual edification of the body. It's to give away, not to covet or to keep, but to give it away. And if, if that's you, I want to I ask you to stand up this morning. We're going to pray as the worship team comes up. Because I believe God does want to birth something in you as he did with Mary. We have this amazing example, this absolutely amazing example. And if that's you, I would say stay tuned. Stay tuned because those who have this humble disposition uh, in their heart tend to see God's grace and favor sooner than others. The grace and favor, I can't tell you what form it will come in because only God knows. But I trust you will see the grace and favor of God in your life Sooner than you might think, if your disposition is like Mary's going, if that's what he wants, yes, I'm his servant, that's what I want too. Are you sure, Mary? You're going to be bouncing on a donkey, you're going to go through stuff, and there won't even be a a five-star hotel to check in. (sighs) Yes, if that's what he wants, that's what I want too. You sure, Mary? It might be hard. People are going to look at you, they're going to think, why, you got a baby out of wedlock, you're not married? I know it's going to be hard. Yes, if God wants it, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, well, what about this, Mary? Uh, People are going to go, you know, who do you think you are, and they're not going to believe, you know. They're going to say some stuff about your son, Mary. Yeah, that's I, I, okay. I, I, if God wants this of me, I'm his servant. That's what I'll do. And then Mary, as time went on, began to marvel, marvel, marvel at some of the things that happened and said, I can't believe that. I'm treasuring that in my heart. And I can't believe that. And I'm treasuring that in my heart. Because listen, when you walk out the kingdom of God, there's a bunch of blessing and favor and grace on the other side. Mary is a witness of this. Mary had a story to tell. And Luke said, I'm going back, I'm getting the details. And I'm getting the details so the church might know. And that's why we have these details. Let's close in prayer this morning and ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. Uh, Mighty God, we just come before you this morning uh, as your children uh, and, and your sons and your daughters, Lord. And as we look at this Christmas season, Lord, as we look at God became flesh and dwelt among us, Lord, you did it through a person. You, did, you had to pick somebody, God. And this side of heaven, you know, when we get there, we can ask you uh, why Mary uh, and, and how, how you make your choices. But ultimately, um, you had favor and grace, a lot of it, on somebody who was profoundly humble and profoundly obedient. Somebody who believed, if God says it, I believe it. If God says it, it'll come to pass. And Lord, her faith was remarkable. I pray, God, we would have remarkable faith in your word. I pray for each of us this morning, God, that we would believe, like your word says, that you planted imperishable seed in our life. All of us are here today, if we're in Christ today, because of the imperishable seed that you're planting in us. And if you're not in Christ today, then today is your day. Right now, in the privacy of your own heart, you have to just say, Jesus, I believe you came and died for me. Today, I turn and I follow you. Take my sins away, give me a fresh start, and put your spirit in me. Thank you for that imperishable seed. From this day forward, God, I'm going to turn and follow you. And thank you that I will live forever in your presence as a result. And if you said that, tell me or somebody you came with. Tell our prayer team when they come up here this morning. But Lord, for the rest of us, I pray, God, that we would take this thing that you want to birth in us, that you would reveal to us what it is, and that we would be just, going, just saying, Lord, if, if this is what you want to do, I have no other response except for I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me according to his will. 
And I just pray, Lord, we would all have that humility, that we wouldn't say, too bad, God, you've got to fit into my plan or it's not going to happen. We'd say, God, it's an honor to fit into your plan, Lord. We are privileged with the honor to fit into your plan and we will be humble enough to say yes to anything you offer us, God. And I pray you would do that, Lord. So I pray in this room right now, Lord God, if, the, if there hasn't already been an impartation of profound um, spiritual seed in the sense of the things you want to birth in our lives, God, I pray you begin to make it known now. Begin to make it known in this Christmas season. In this Christmas season, as others are opening gifts, we'll go, wow, look what God is starting to birth in me. Look what God's beginning to do in me. I got it. I sense it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to grow in it. I'm going to be respectful with it. I'm going to be a steward of it. And God, in the fullness of time, God, maybe some of us already know what that is. And maybe it's been growing for a long time. And maybe we just haven't delivered. <laughs> maybe we're overdue. Uh, maybe you need to induce labor, uh, God, for some of us. If we're carrying aspects of the kingdom for so long that you're like, come on, it's time, it's time, it's time. You've been holding on to that for a long time. And you have not given it away to the world. And maybe now it's time, Lord, for spiritually for you to induce labor in our lives that we might deliver and give away uh, beautiful aspects of your kingdom, the hope of glory, Christ in us, to the world. So, Lord, would you do that for us, please? We are honored to honor you, God. We are honored to honor you, God. And we love you, God. And we honor you at this time of the year when you gave us the greatest gift of all. Let us re just re respond in kind, Lord. We love you so much. We ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said... Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Because he's good all the time. Amen. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.